Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Hafsa and welcome to the Mind Pretty Soul podcast where I get to talk about that which gives you peace of mind, keeps you looking pretty and the things that make your soul sing with incredible women that inspire me. This episode is one that I've been so excited about for some time. I had the pleasure of speaking to two women that I've absolutely enjoyed following lately, Shay Graham and Tamina Begum. Shay's this super cool beauty and fashion influencer from the Bay Area in California and Tamina Begum is an incredible journalist who writes one of my favorite newsletters, The Aram. FYI, I've been featured in the latest newsletter so I've shared a link for you to subscribe and have a read. So just jumping straight into the episode and starting off with what self-care looks like I put the question to you lovely listeners on Instagram recently and I got the following responses about what self-care looks like and I will be sharing these throughout the episode so for now here's what some of you had to say. By the way please excuse my mispronunciation if I do get anything wrong. <laughs> um, so yeah let's just jump straight in. So Ramina's Little Corner says it's all about practicing mindfulness for al-rahas sometimes self-care is pushing myself to do good for future me other times self-care is honoring present me and i absolutely love that by the way fitness extraordinaire shaz fit says that it varies depending on my needs in that moment sometimes it's banging gym other times total rest to idol omar underscore self-care entails various things but for me it's important to be by myself alone time does it for me Fatima Shire also sees it as taking out time in the day just for herself, drinking tea uninterrupted, going for a walk or going to the cinema. For mindful underscore Ferdosa, she sees self-care as deliberate actions that I take to cater to my various needs. Each is unique. And finally, previous guest Safia Tasneem says self-care is treating myself to skincare, manicures and looking after myself physically and mentally. For Tamina, self-care is a personal endeavour. I think for me, self-care is very personal. And the reason why I say that is because even right now, so I'm having trouble with my sleep, but not just because of hay fever. I'm actually trying to unlearn a bad habit when it comes to being like a night owl, essentially. 
even though I write the Aram and things like that, have always lived a lifestyle where I've worked hard, but I've also played very hard, which means I haven't had much time for rest. Um, and I realised when I've been having trouble with my sleep and everyone giving me amazing advice that's really well-intentioned, is that actually you need to do what works well for you. I remember my cousin yeah. telling me, you know, light a candle before you go to bed, do this. And that works for her. And I try to do that, but then I realised it makes me, more light makes me feel like, oh, like I'm getting ready for something or I'm about to read a book. So self-care for me is very personal. Um, it's very integral. And for me, it's genuinely one of my key foundations and I don't mean it in like a very capitalistic looks good for the gram kind of way which is absolutely fine as well I think like a bit of that is actually probably good for the soul you know yeah but I think self-care for me is really important because the way I look at it is that if I can't look after myself I can't look after others and that's not something that I was raised to do because I think especially in like a Bangladeshi Sunni Muslim household it was very much like you look after everyone else kind of thing yeah you look after yourself and I get why but I think in this day and age we need to literally look after ourselves in what, whatever form that means whether it means mm-hmm. looking at like what kind of blood type you have and eating the kind of foods that are good for that or what kind of exercise works well for you or even like the products that your skin absorbs. Tamina interestingly brings up rest and sleep as a massive part of her self-care, its importance in the face of pressures to strive for excellence as black and brown women, as well as the stresses of daily life and family commitments. I even share a health scare that happened to me a few months ago that really instilled the need in me to rest. I came across something on Instagram a while ago. Um, My memory isn't 100% clear on exactly all the different types of rest that they mentioned, but they mentioned stuff like spiritual rest, social rest, actual physical rest, all of these different things so for example social rest could look like kind of unwinding a little bit kind of detaching away from going out too much and really just kind of learning to be by yourself and resting from that whole the need to go out all the time and that fear of missing out and then maybe like a digital rest where you aren't using social media so much you're not using tech so much I think rest is like such an important part of self-care especially because you like you've mentioned we're caretakers we are I'm the eldest daughter as well in my family Yes, <laughs> I, see you so, I see you so much. And inshallah, I'm trying to actually write about that right now. Yeah. Like being the eldest daughters of immigrant households. Bruv, I can't lie. It's one of the reasons why I'm in therapy. My parents were never like, as the eldest and the only girl, you need to da, 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 do this. Yeah. But at the same time, there are so many things that we do, even generally, like, you know, when you leave the house, have you closed all the windows? Have you shut the doors? You're mm. always the one, like, you know, the smallest things. And we forget that in the world that we live in, those are actually tiny little stresses. I think when people talk about leading a stressful life, they think it means like big stress, like you've got a big deadline at work, or maybe you're going through something with friends, or like maybe you've gone through a breakup. But I think we forget that if you're waking up to an alarm, that's one tiny stress. All these tiny stresses build up. That's why I think rest is so key. And you know what, I can't lie. The reason why I'm passionate about rest is because I wasn't always good at rest. Uh, Probably a year before the pandemic, I went through this whole like breakdown breakthrough where I was like going through like a quarter life crisis like asking myself who you know when you're like who am I what am I and I went through that and it essentially forced me to rest because it was such a big thing to go through if that makes sense um so I think it's also important that if you're similar to us like if you're you know listening to this and you're also the eldest daughter of an immigrant household or perhaps you've never been taught how to rest that's absolutely fine because I feel like we're taught so many things in our adulthood, but we're not taught how to like switch off properly. We're not told how to look after ourselves. We think that, oh, if you know how to dress yourself and you have to go to school by yourself, if you know how to do travel by yourself, you know how to have a job, that means looking after yourself. Yeah. Whereas I think actually rest and really understanding what it means for you and how it can look so differently 
to to someone else you know to a sister in the same household that's so key personally for me and as you can tell the reason why I'm passionate talking about arrest and women of color is because I had to forcibly you know be put into a position where I had to rest I got ill and I was like okay I now need to like sit down and take time but I don't want other women to get to that point you know where you've said you were kind of forced to rest I was as well like earlier this year it was actually a day that I was editing um, an episode that came out and I just remember waking up in the morning I had a really bad headache and I just Mm. felt really light and woozy and I thought okay I need to get this episode out I need to just quickly edit it and get it out so I went upstairs to my bedroom sat on my computer just kind of working away and then slowly but surely I realized that I actually can't see my screen anymore that my (laughs) eyesight had gone completely blurry I couldn't see a single thing and I get up and I go to my sister and I'm like look I can't see anything on the screen but can you show me where on the software editing um like editing software or something that it says this number this minutes or whatever because it was just I was trying to edit to the minute or something and she said you are crazy I'm calling the ambulance right now and then the ambulance came they checked me out and everything and initially they thought oh it's a stroke and then thank goodness it wasn't a stroke yeah we still don't know actually to this day what it was whether it was a severe migraine or was it something to do with my heart rate or something or blood pressure but I was actually told you have to stop looking at your screen. You have to actually stay put. For two weeks, I basically couldn't do anything. All I had to do was watch TV because TV was quite far away from me. So it didn't really tax my eyes too much. And I couldn't physically see anything. So it made me realize, okay, I actually have to rest now. So yeah, you don't want to go, go, go. And for me, the kind of family that I've come from, my dad has always pushed, oh, I don't ever take annual leave. My dad rarely ever takes annual leave. I think only in the last couple of years he's done that. And he'd always say, oh, I've never taken any sick days. Is Does that come from perhaps like knowing that you're an immigrant to the country and it's an opportunity mm-hmm. for you to even have a job and you've worked hard for it? Or is it that whole kind of work ethic? I don't know, but I kind of internalized that. You don't want to kind of come across as incompetent or that you're mm-hmm. lazy. And so you tax and you stave away for hours and hours on end. But sometimes, yeah, I think for a lot of women of color, black and brown women, because we're told about the excellence we have to bring always, we never want to come off as average. This is the thing. Like, let's be real. So many of our colleagues are like that. Like, you know, and and it's absolutely fine for them because it's just like, well, I'm just doing my hours and I'm going to leave. Do you know what it is? I really want women of color listening to this. And this kind of ties in the self-care to understand that you do not have to constantly prove yourself to yourself in order to like validate yourself. And it's a lot of undoing to be able to recognize that actually I need space for me and that's quite like revolutionary because for so long in our histories we've been having to prove ourselves to prove like our humanities you having to constantly prove yourself to yourself is actually exhausting and it's probably why you're not resting absolutely like it tires you out not Mm. just physically but actually emotionally as well because you're overthinking it's so taxing on your brain on your mind on your psyche there's a lot that kind of um that we take on as well that we're not good enough that we need to do this and we need to do that and we have all these obligations so yeah it's definitely sometimes I just think where on earth did it stem from and how do you unlearn it and I think over time you kind of unlearn where you're like you know what sometimes it's not worth it to overtax yourself to give way too much of yourself than you need to Mm. because otherwise you run on empty and then eventually you get a rude awakening which is like what I had a couple of months ago where it's like yeah you actually need to sit yourself down and make time for rest I've been a journalist for about eight eight nine years which is mad I feel very old. Um, <laughs> well done. Thank you, Alhamdulillah. But I started off when I was very young. So I started off when I was like 16, 17. And it's funny because between the ages of like, I'm laughing because, but it's actually not funny. Between the ages of 17 to literally like 23, 24, I never, I never really took a weekend off. 
I swear wow. to God, I never took a weekend off. Like, because whether I was in university and also like doing a part-time job to like help pay for university or I was interning somewhere in a publishing house, I always had like literally five different hats on just even in the career space. And I think I almost, at that time, I like prided myself on never taking weekends off, always being on it. And that was only because we live in a world where you're prided on your productivity, you know? And when you're the youngest, brightest thing in the room, you're prided on that. And only now I realise, actually, that's really messed up because I think real care in the workplace, real care in anything is when someone's like, OK, that's enough. Like, you do not need to, like, burn yeah. yourself out from zero to 100 in order to prove that you are worthy of being here, you know? Yeah. Where we have so many commitments and so many things that we want to do with our lives and we want to fulfill ourselves in so many different ways. I think definitely making time for rest is going to be crucial throughout your whole life. And I think eventually we will learn one way or another. And I think we've definitely, both of us have seemed to have come to that conclusion. Yeah, and we have to learn the hard way. What Tamina says brings me to Shay's nighttime routine where she sets the mood before going to bed. I'm talking an indulgent shower and a really cool playlist. When it comes to my nighttime routine, I definitely like to take a moment to indulge and turn off my electronics except a good playlist. I need oh, okay. a good playlist to go into the shower. I like to do body scrubs, like the Hanahana Beauty body scrub, that one. I've heard so many good things about this brand. Because their shea butter is amazing. But really? yeah, I just like to turn it into a whole experience and really try to unwind and disconnect because I spend a lot of time on social media since it's my job. So just trying to be consistent on both platforms is like an all day thing. So I really try to keep the nighttime to myself and doing things that I like. I want to know about this playlist you say that you have to play every night. Yes. What? Who is on your playlist? Uh, I have a very vast taste in music. So I listen to a lot of things, but a staple for me is going to be SZA, always. Yeah. I love Al Green. Uh, I love Tiana Taylor, Pierre Bourne. I really like his beats. So yeah, it just depends what I'm in the mood for that shower. Like, Fleetwood Mac or I'll listen to Pink Floyd and just light a candle in the bathroom so it smells nice and warm and the steam in the shower so. Moving your body is also a massive part of self-care and Shay and I bonded over our love for fitness. In high, middle school and high school I did track and cross country so I did long distance and then once I got into my senior year I started doing shorter distance so the 400, 200 and then I'd occasionally do the 800. So I'd say 400 was my specialty in college that I focus on. And then I did relays as well. But yeah, I really love track. It was really fun for me. I know people don't like running. And at a point, I didn't like running. But it was just a nice way to exercise and keep myself in shape while going to school. So it worked out really well. <laughs> Has that stayed with you today, do you think? I think... I've actually taken a break from running for two years now, which yeah. I am completely fine with because the practices were so long and hard I that I think that I've run enough for a while. I actually want to get back into lifting soon. So I'm trying to stay away from running and just do more you know bulking up and lifting trying to do that. I've definitely been that person who's been like a massive cardio bunny before and yeah. it just I, I, and now I hate cardio. I hate cardio. You could not pay me. Actually, sorry, you could pay me. You could probably pay me a generous amount of money and I'd do cardio. But mm -hmm. we're talking in the tens of thousands, maybe. No, not even tens of thousands. Let me not 
because I we'll hate cardio that much. We'll take hundreds <laughs> of thousands. Exactly. I hate cardio, but weights give me weights any day. Honestly, I feel like weightlifting completely changed me. Like I'm not even exaggerating when I say it changed my life. It changed my body. It changed my perspective on things. Like I was that girl who was so scared to walk into a weights room mm-hmm. and I see these like big bulky men and I was so intimidated and I was like I always would walk past them and I would say I really want to lift I really want to lift and I'd see these really cool girls on Instagram and I just want to do it and then I basically just sought the help of like a couple of personal trainers learned how to do it and I feel like now you realize that first of all men don't really care they aren't they're not going to intimidate you I've had a few incidents where men will be like hey you done with the 10 15 play and I'm like no I'm not done yet leave me alone so you have to kind of stand your ground sometimes and then after that they know that you're a regular and I think I think they even respect you for it to be fair so the men don't care if anything it's a mental thing for me I realized that when I started lifting weights I was bracing myself mentally so I'm like okay um you can do it you can do it this is your new personal best do it and then when you do it you like honestly it's about bracing yourself mentally and then on top of that you feel confident because you feel like if I can lift this I can do anything I can I can tackle it all I do love the feeling of leaving after a workout you just feel so like you did something just so empowered really (laughs) nice and I just want that feeling back you feel like you're on top of the world honestly like after a workout the endorphins are high when people say like how do you like when do you feel like you look your best or when do you feel your absolute best for me definitely one of those moments where I feel my best is I have a great shower um in my in my gym so it's like an overhead shower it's like a high pressure beautiful there's also a sauna as well so when I'm done with the gym I go into the bathroom I shower they've got like this like bougie like cow shed stuff as well so you have the best shower you come out I feel fresh and clean I've put some makeup on I've got some clothes on like a nice outfit I've done my workout and that's it you feel like you're on top of the world the feeling of pushing the door open to exit and you're like I did it today I didn't cheat myself I actually did it what's your relationship like with other exercises do you try anything else out I really do want to try Peloton everyone has their Peloton machines do you know what I'm talking about yes the the Peloton I've I've never tried Peloton I love spinning but I've never Mm -hmm. tried the Peloton I've had good things though I don't have one but it's kind of a thing where you see it so much you kind of want one and I kind of want one now but at the same time I could just go out and ride a bike you know then you get to see stuff outside of the house but I feel like yoga is super popular I know so many people that do yoga just for me personally I think it's the fact that I'd have to take the time to learn new poses And that's why I just like, I don't know, just doing basic stretches because there's a lot of discipline that it seems that you need to do with yoga. Do you do it regularly? I used to be a massive yoga person. Um, I loved yoga, especially um, yin yoga. I didn't even really treat it as an exercise. For me, it was more of like a mental thing. Also for the stretching benefits, because yes. it really helps me to just stretch. And I feel like I can get deeper into my body as well. Like you feel like you're really in your body when you do yoga. You're very conscious. You're very self-aware. You're very attuned to how your body feels. So you're mm-hmm. very aware of where you hold tension. I hold tension in my shoulders, in my jaw. Um, 
Um, also apparently as women as well, we hold a lot of stress and tension in our hips and things like that. So you do a lot of like hip opening exercises. I love that. Lately, I haven't been. So because I do a lot of really heavy, like high intensity workouts, I think I probably want to balance it out a little bit with, with something like yoga. I'm also really into um, reformer Pilates. Where I do heavy lifting, reformer Pilates is like two kilo dumbbells. And I remember trying for the first time <laughs> thinking, oh, that's light work. I lift a lot more than that one with like for my arm workouts mm-hmm. but honestly your body is like jelly after I could imagine especially holding them and trying to concentrate on making sure the pose is right and the form yeah. is Moving on, the reason I had Shay and Tamina on the podcast was because I really wanted to understand their perspectives on self-care and wellness through their respective cultural lenses. One's culture will naturally inform and encompass your beauty standards, your rituals, spirituality and more. Which brings me to Suad.Arch's response to my question about how you see or remember self-care. She says, I remember my Ayeo, which is grandmother in Somali, using the inner kernel of date stones with henna for a hair mask. And I just find that really incredible by the way i find that so cool henna is a massive part of my culture with tamina's bangladeshi background and shay living in the bay area it was such a pleasure understanding how they see and experience things which brings me to a beautiful story that tamina told me about when it comes to one of her earliest beauty memories very bad in Bengali which means that I come from a very bad background um that means that we are audaciously colorful and loud and yes. in particular I'm Sileti which is from the northeast I grew and up with so many people from Silet so many in school and my friends and, and <laughs> such cool people honestly we're the best I'm sorry but we're, I mean <laughs> literally like our food bangs our language bangs like our girls are so pink beautiful like, what, beautiful we are so wholesome and well-rounded I mean you know anyway sorry back to the question so <laughs> uh, talking about coming from Bangladeshi background um so a lot of Bangladeshi backgrounds I feel like are very well a lot of Sileti backgrounds I've rec- I've seen that we've got quite a lot of matriarchal households and because of that um you know my mum and my aunts and my grandmothers and like oh, I've got so many cousins I come from a very big family mm-hmm. um everyone was so proudly feminine and there was never this thing of if I'm feminine I'm seen as being weak if anything it kind of like tied into each other like I feel like South Asian or you know black and brown and even like Bangladeshi femininity it's very like strong but powerful Powerful, and very strong and feminine like I can't I'm trying to put it into words it's almost like it's almost like flower power. That's the best way I can describe it because we love putting flowers in our hair, but there's also something about us that's about it. Like there's a resilience yeah. about us as well. And I think it's because in our culture, there's no such thing as like, oh, you're wearing a beautiful sorrow, you must be meek. You know, there's no such thing as like beauty being seen as like, well, you must be... There's definitely a thing of like, there's still this like misogynistic thing of like a question on intelligence. I think that's like worldwide. A lot of yeah. people that, you know, if you're a beautiful woman, you can't have brains and all of that. And I think that happens across all cultures. But when it comes to like memories and beauty, I just remember my mum, I have this like specific memory when I, I think I was six and my mum, it was a random Saturday and my mum wore this like black sheer by the way so everyone can't see my eyes right now but very sheer mm. not the most halal outfit but we are here for it anyway um hey. sheer, literally um black and red rose sari and it's like the blouse was like this like crop blouse super cute she was in the house and she was like perfuming her hair 
because that's what we do and she's got very like I have I was gonna say unfortunately but I know a lot of people are gonna hate me for saying that I do have very like fixed straight black hair it's but I've always by the way thank you I mean much love but at the same time I've always craved curls and I will do anything to make my hair curly but I'm literally even thinking about getting a perm but anyway um (laughs) but my my mum's got incredible wavy long hair and her hair like like at that point hit her waist um so you can imagine like I'm watching her poof up her hair um it's the late 90s early noughties um she's like in this black and red rose you know sheer sorry she's she's always had a classic red lipstick always um she's got like gold jewelry on because obviously Vessies we know how to put on gold like actually a lot of even like in East African culture there's so much gold and the way that it's entwined gold yeah it's such a big deal right um and she goes downstairs and I just remember her like literally like with her sla- sorry like flapping behind her walking downstairs like shimmering downstairs and my dad looks at her and we're in the kitchen he's like oh you're wearing that today and she's like oh yeah and then he's like oh okay is that my wife and I think she was like oh <laughs> and like they, they have this like whole thing and they flirt with each other and then they're like obviously canoodle and I'm just like that um <laughs> which I know actually isn't a common thing but in our household like affection between my parents was always like Alhamdulillah, like a big thing. But that's Same. like one of the memories yeah. I have. So it, it was very much like her taking time to like perfume, perfuming, sorry, waist long hair. Bro, that is not a two second job. That is like- No, a- it's not. It's not like we we also have a very similar tradition with something called onsi, which is like a resin mixed with oil and oud and frankincense and sugar and you burn it on top of coal and you kind of fragrance your hair. Or what you do is as well is my mum would just put it on the floor and then hang her clothes on that kind of clothes rack. And then just before she's about to go out, let the cloud just kind of envelops the clothes and scents the clothes. And then after that, you kind of scent your hair after that as well. So that's been from a young age. My mum's always been like, just before we go on a night out, she's like, come, come, come. And she'll like fragrance your clothes fragrance you and it's just and it's also I believe I think it's also part of like sometimes it's like part of like seducing your husband as well sometimes as well so we love it (laughs) we love it so fragrance is, I think, a very massive part, at least of, of so many cultures as well. And mm. I think when it comes to like fragrancing, like you said, waist long hair, that's no no small feat. So I'm sure. And I'm especially sure that's, uh... I know that she came out of the shower, she would like shampooed and conditioned her hair. She would have dried her hair. And then when it's, yeah. and I think in our culture, oiling your hair before you wash it is a very big thing. So I yep. oil my hair once a week and that's something that I've continued um, to do. And when I think about beauty memories and wellness memories and hair care and skincare and all the things it takes to like look after yourself, there are so many traditions probably like yourself I've continued in my adulthood and I can't imagine life without them like yesterday I woke up and while I was doing work I put on a turmeric face mask Mm. and like it was so normal like you know I'm working from home at the moment I'm not by the way if anyone listens to this I'm just walk into like a random office and put on a turmeric face mask but no I'm (laughs) and yeah yeah, um I put on a turmeric face mask while I was like doing some admin um and again that's so normal like it's so normal to like do that steam your face to like before I wash my hair I rub in like amla oil mustard oil um I don't do coconut oil because my hair isn't dry it's the opposite it's very greasy but my Mm. mum does coconut oil so lots of different oil lots of different fails um always before I wash my hair like and I massage it it's like a whole thing where you like massage it and you take the time to massage it in and you like rub it and you go around and you use your fingertips sometimes you use like the flat sides of your palm um to rub in like the bigger parts of your scalp nice um and to like for stimulation I have so many memories where at my grandma's house it's literally a train of women like oiling our hair 
and that was only like I we did that I'm not joking in like February That's we were so all like cool. running around I'm oiling my aunt's hair and then my other aunt's oiling my hair then my mum's oiling my other aunt's hair and another aunt like it was literally like uh and we were all properly oiling our hair and there's another um I can't remember what it's called an ingredient oh maybe it's neem oil or something but basically um if there's a it's an oil that cools your scalp and that's it's really good for your scalp and it makes neem is really cooling I believe yeah and it's quite antibacterial and very cooling on the scalp maybe it is neem but I remember like my grandma always has that she kind of she smells like that too um so we were all like adding extra neem oil into our hair because we were like you know doing like um clarifying our scalp I guess I feel so pain when I like literally oil my hair and I plait my hair and walk around with my gold jewelry and I just feel so like connected to my roots do you Mm. have that for me it's like I'm fresh out of the shower Mm -hmm. and I've washed my hair I've put oil in my hair I've creamed my body I've done my skincare and then either I plait my hair or I just let it kind of just dry Mm. naturally and I'm wearing um in Somali it's called abati so it's Mm. just like um it's like just a one piece long dress Mm. usually for nights out and special occasions it's see-through um and sheer whereas this is very opaque it's patterned and you just kind of walk around in the house and you just feel like the breeze just kind of goes in and out and you just kind of walk you just feel amazing even more so when I'm when I was in Somalia I felt like that you just it's the tradition any house you go to especially if you're a guest or if you've actually gone to stay with them it's a culture where you actually gift the guest a bati to wear brand new and they wear it they have to go into the bedroom and undress and put that bati on and chill with you because it's like their home so you've come home to stay with us and so you just kind of you kind of let your hair loose and you just chill and you're sitting down that's when I feel absolutely my best that's when I feel pain like I'm like yeah this caring for one another leads me to faith and spirituality Tamina and I talked about our shared Islamic faith and how it informs collective and self-care Muslim hospitality bro around the world yeah chef's kiss we do best because the whole thing even when you're saying is it a bati have I said it right yeah bati yeah yeah even the fact that you're gifting someone that comes to your home and they get changed that's got to do with cleanliness how many of us like come home and like think about like we don't really think about our outdoor clothes or we you know like in British culture you don't think about that right or like um whereas that is that is like such a high form of cleanliness and also it's such a great way to tell someone that they belong in your home and I think that's so beautiful yeah it is it's such a it's such a nice aspect of our faith that kind of actually reminds me of what you mentioned about the the oiling of like all the women in your family sitting down and oiling one another and taking care of each other's hair and scalp and stuff like that and I'm thinking in terms of we've got self-care as in you're looking after just yourself but there's also taking care of the collective and Bangladeshi culture Somali culture the Muslim faith by default we are very collectivistic you don't just take care of yourself you take care of the collective and I think when you take care of the collective naturally by default you care for yourself as well so I was thinking that how does Islam and your faith influence how you take care of yourself and others as well and just kind of how you see how you see this because we've got cleanliness like you said we're required to for example shave we have to clean ourselves in order to pray like Mm. cleanliness is a massive part of our faith and you know what the funny thing is like (laughs) this is so random but I went to um a cafe the other day and it was a new cafe in Birmingham and um, I went to the Louvre 
and the loos and the cafe I can't even explain it it was like a different level of cleanliness and it was an East African cafe and I remember walking around in this cafe ordering my drink and being like no this is like Muslim <laughs> cleanliness I can't explain uh, yeah. I can't uh, unless you travel to Muslim countries a lot or you have friends that are Muslim when you walk into their houses even though I'm second third generation British that's still a thing mm. when it comes to my faith and self-care Islam informs I'm not joking when I say it's probably about 95% of my self-care and I'm not and I, I mean alhamdulillah and I'm so grateful for that I came back to faith in like my mid-20s out of like my own agency because I think we all go through that thing of like we go up and down of faith and that's yeah. a very normal natural relationship with faith but the way it informs my life is the fact that the fact that I have to get up five times a day and I have to literally like be grateful five times a day for five to ten minutes a day which is technically maybe like an hour yoga class at the end of the day yeah when you right? really add it all together it's such a good point yeah when you add it all together um I have to like be grateful I have to like ask for forgiveness for if I've hurt anyone if I've done anything that would like mislead myself or others I have to really count my blessings and then I have to like pray for myself and loved ones. I think that's such a powerful example of collective self-care. It's not even collective care. It's not even self-care, like collective care. And the power of really learning in your adulthood that you can literally lean on Allah for anything. I think I was raised in a way where it was like, you pray because you have to and the punishment and it's all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's much more, it, We I wasn't raised in a way where, um you could go to god for like the small things because it's almost like don't waste his time you know yes yes whereas whereas now i'm like allah like i'm going through a really bad acne breakup i would just love it if you could just like help me with this genuinely i will talk and and having those conversations really informs my self-care um but then also having like bigger conversations like what's happening with palestine and then like questioning like humanity and then thinking about what we can do to help so yeah sounds very deep so i won't be questioned on judgment day what I didn't do you know and um, think things like that really inform my self-care because it I think the biggest thing about self-care is at the end of the day it's a checkpoint you're checking yourself yeah so I think dua itself and prayer itself is the biggest way I check myself even when I'm distracted in prayer I'm like I'm so sorry God for wasting your time today because I don't know why I was like so concerned about this meeting I've got in like an hour's time when this could have just you know been like a really touching moment for five minutes also things like it's not just about like prayer but I think the way Islam informs my self-care is or just caring for others in general is even the even scripture itself the way it's like you know care for your brothers what you care for yourself that means that I need to literally care for myself and I think yeah. sometimes we forget that for Shay spirituality looks like writing to God and the universe this past year and a little bit of it's maybe like a year and a half I've just been trying to get more in tune with the universe and just my spiritual journey and my relationship with God. So for me, I find that going outside is where I really need to be and not being stuck inside. And that's where bringing my journal along, it helps me find out a lot about myself, which is really important because I'm not going to find it on social media. I have to go out and be by myself and do things that really root me into who I am. And being outside, sitting alone, seeing sunsets, and, you know, just go on walks and find myself is really what's been helping to root me and understand where my beauty comes from versus, you know, sitting and scrolling because 
I've tried that before and it wasn't healthy and it didn't, you know, bring me any closer to who I was. So I'm really glad that I have this new routine. I'm really glad that I've been getting more rooted and I've been trying to get more into crystals. And I know crystals aren't just the only way to, you know, to feel connected to the universe and God, but yeah, those those elements outside is really where I find myself and see most of my beauty come out. Another thing that culture informs is our beauty standards and navigating our looks as black and brown women in the face of these standards. What I found really interesting was Shay talking about her body as a result of running track for many years and accepting herself. I would get made fun of for being super skinny because naturally I'm very skinny. <laughs> So that bothered me for the longest time. And, you know, with the wave of women having hourglass figures, even still, I have to be intentional to not beat myself up about looking that way. Because when I was doing track, I really liked how my body looked, you know, you know, backs looking good because you're oh, of course good. you're running all the time she's a runner she's a track star she can have like it's just sitting I bet <laughs> exactly so from going to that to settling into uh, like a weird in between of my body but also actively seeing people getting Brazilian belt lifts or getting injections to have their hip dips filled I feel like you definitely have to be intentional each day. And even when you don't feel like it, still be intentional because it'll catch you off guard of feeling bad about yourself based off looking at a picture. That's why I really like when people say, or not even say sometimes, they just take breaks off social media for their mental health because there's just so much to compare to. And, you know, no one's saying how they're getting these things. They just make it seem like it's real which is super harmful. So yeah, intention is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And you ha- kind of have to look, I think, beyond the basic appearance of what you're seeing. Um, <laughs> I don't put my struggles up online. I don't share what I'm going through. I'm, you're only really going to share what's yeah. great, I think. But like you said, some people don't disclose that they've had work done and I'm not even against really people having work done but sometimes I mean it's not even necessarily that they even have to reveal that but I do wonder like you do see for example girls and women that can be quite impressionable but you might be looking at someone who's had a lot of help to look Mm -hmm. the way they do you can't compare so on top of that they might have had I don't know filler or they might have had Botox to lift their brows a bit or they might have had the help of some editing I think honestly we would all stand to benefit from at least at the very least being neutral about the way we look yes just acknowledging the way we look like okay these are my features just look in the mirror and understand this is my nose this is my forehead these are my lips these are my hips this is my bum this is everything mm-hmm. at least be neutral at least be neutral I mean I don't think we're all going to ha- like love our bodies and I, I I just don't want us to hate them you know exactly. so you just have to come to terms with the way you look and I love the idea that beauty can be a vehicle to enhance the way you look sometimes as well like okay fair enough I have a I have a massive forehead okay what can I do to work around that do I can I play up my eyes can I play up my mm-hmm. lips or I really love my lips I'm really happy with the way my lips look I love them I'm just gonna put a nice lip gloss on or I'm gonna enhance it I'm gonna enhance my eyes you just work with what you have available to you you know just work with yeah. the resources 
that you have. And I think that can help as well. There's nothing better. At least for me, I really came into my own when I um, acknowledged the way I looked and I Mm -hmm. just accepted my appearance. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try and experiment with clothes. These are kind of silhouettes that work for me. This is the kind of makeup that works for me. This is the kind of makeup that doesn't work for me. Um, This is the kind of exercise that makes me feel best about myself. I think with age as well, you kind of come to understand what works for you as well and what makes you feel good. And you just have to basically repeat that as often as you can. It definitely did take me a long time to acknowledge myself and really love myself and I used to not like my nose it's it's a good nose but for you whatever have a great nose thank you I did not think so growing up and it wasn't until someone else told me that it was nice and I was like uh it's nice that they think it's nice but I need to come to terms with yeah. believing that it's nice it's and up to you you're right exactly so you know I always love hearing about people's journeys to actually loving themselves instead of just being in the part where they're you know saying that they're loving themselves and not believing it because there's such a difference of saying and actually genuinely knowing and believing. Shay and I later go on to talk about how living in the Bay Area informs how she cares for herself and we do touch on the LA wellness scene cliches so from yoga to seemingly contrived diets in the bay area it just seems a little a little more relaxed and people have their routines but it's more to themselves it's not like very public but i feel like a lot of the people that i know in la they're getting facials very frequently people in la they do take their self-care routines more seriously and it's i feel like i talk to a lot more people that are plant-based and vegan and that goes into their routine of being healthier from the inside out i've tried vegan recipes and i think they're good it's a big step to become vegan and commit to that so i'm always really impressed and admire people that have committed to that lifestyle a lot of people I think sometimes turn it into like their personalities where you mentioned like LA I think in London there are like pockets like that so like there are mm-hmm. areas like Notting Hill in London very very good like vegan spots and um, a whole lifestyle it's a whole thing for them so um yeah I I'm I'm into kind of that holistic lifestyle I like herbs and, and eating well but yeah you can't make it your your entire life and your personality speaking of the wellness scene Tamina gives an incredible critique about the whitewashing of self-care practices that have been well embedded in cultures for generations but they're only ever really talked about as a recent well-being discovery so turmeric lattes for example as much as i love to talk about self-care and wellness and things like that the idea of it is only very recent i think it's a very recent idea and only in the past like five years genuinely yeah i think this is the thing we need to like really reclaim and understand how much wellness whitewashes black and brown communities genuinely because when I think about oiling our hair to the foods that we eat to what we put on our skin all these things have been around for so long and what makes me sad is the way that it's like people kind of like just pick and choose essentially what's cool and not even what's cool what's digestible enough for people to understand because for example it's interesting how people will do like a turmeric latte but no, but really, if you walk into like a Costa or like a Starbucks, you won't find like a Haldi Dud, which is like turmeric milk, which is what a lot of people have when you're ill. Yeah. So why? It's interesting that, okay, one ingredient is taken over, but the actual, what it really is, is just forgotten about. And I think that's really problematic because I think as black and brown women, it's really easy for us to then feel like, oh, we then have to pick and choose what we're about. We then have to pick and choose what parts of our culture we like continue with us. 
and passed down you know and or even feel like we then have to be digestible I mean listen we are way too much to be able to fit into a pretty little white box you know like I feel like generally as a whole none of us should feel like we should be digestible enough for a essentially like a white lens I just feel as though we're so much more than that essentially and I think when we do that again we water down who we are and then I think if you're always watering down who you are how will you ever know who you actually are and therefore how will you know how to take care of yourself? I wrote about this actually for the new Arab last year when it was like the height of the pandemic. And I wrote about how I do have grandparents. Actually, my nana passed away five months ago, five, six months ago. But I do have, no, I mean, it's not okay, but grieving is hard. And it's, I hope people like who are grieving and listening to this, like make space for that. But at the same time, like, it's okay. Like, you know, like, alhamdulillah, like it was his time. Um, But I wrote this article actually a few months before I passed away and I was talking about how it's so important, especially as children and grandchildren of immigrants, we speak to our parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, anyone we have around them. There may be language barriers and it may be a bit awkward, but the reality is when someone dies, they take their stories with them. Yeah. And we're, we're made up of so many different stories. And I always say that we're not ethnic minorities, we're like ethnic majorities of the world. And yes. I feel like our... our genuinely like our stories are global and universal threads central threads we're not like a small small thing in the corner you know and but in order for us to know our stories we have to know where we come from and don't get me wrong it doesn't I don't and I'm not telling anyone that, oh, you then have to have the, you have to do this, you have to do this, whatever. No, I genuinely believe there's no one way to be anything. But saying that, I really believe the only way that I could be solid and like what my self-care looks like, I could only be, you know, trying in self-improvement. I could only be coming from a good place because I know of my histories. Yeah. And I feel so passionate about that because I think once you're connected to your histories, it makes you proud of who you are. That then reinforces everything that you are you know and then you realize oh actually for example self-care has been in our cultures for hundreds and thousands of years you know this is not something that we need to like learn and then you know kind of avert ourselves in a way so we kind of squeeze ourselves so we then become something else in order to be something else or someone else kind of thing yeah but yeah no I'm really like I think it's so important that we talk to like our family essentially while we can and then also even like learn small things you know if you had parents that were born in a different country talk about okay when you walk to school what did it smell like I know it sounds so random but like I was asking my mum that the other day and she was like oh she was just she mentioned how like the girls in her school in Maldesh when they used to put on their uniform everyone used to plait their hair and add a bow at the bottom and you know she just mentioned like walking down this path and I was like well what did it what 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 is explain it to me you know because I I will never be able to experience that I've never gone to a biology school and she was like well the path is like lined with marigolds and I'm like those things are so important it's like remember and to know and the other day I went to like this garden center very random and then I came home and my mom had to plant a new marigolds and I was like oh for me, it's like, oh, there's like a bit of Balneshia. I feel as though when you're connected from in your past and present and hopefully in your future in that way, it makes you feel less like, who am I? And who should I be? And then that itself disrupts any form of rest. You know, if you're constantly walking around like, who am I? Who should I be? Oh my gosh, who am I to this thing and this community? You're never going to be able to properly like have a moment to yourself and just yeah. kind of come home to yourself. But obviously saying that, that is a long and continuous journey. It was great to talk to someone that I related to so much when it comes to self-care. Her outlook is exactly like mine. Self-care isn't like something where 
you just do it it's a tick box exercise you do it you're done for the day you're done for life I feel like a lot of people have that approach like okay I've done it here here are my 10 things for the week that I've done okay I'm good I just feel like really passionate about the fact that it's an ongoing thing but it shouldn't feel like laborious maintenance it should just kind of be embedded into your lifestyle it is and I love it I love it because I make it intentional now I'm Mm -hmm. very intentional about how I take care of myself and I have ideas of how I want to look after myself day by day but it's when I say intentional though it's not intentional where it's like thought out and contrived every second it's more Mm -hmm. of a I make time to exercise because I know Mm -hmm. that number one it it gives me good health it makes my body limber it makes me feel good I feel like I'm on top of the world the endorphins everything but it's not like I'm gonna eat this and I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna take this supplement I'm gonna do this it's more of a I've over time I've eventually kind of taken that on and it's become part of me and I love it you kind of mold and you kind of work around it multiple ways and multiple kind of methods in throughout your life I think because I'm almost 30 I'm 29 now and over the years the idea of caring for myself has just kind of taken on a different nature every stage of my life you you don't necessarily have this um thing where it's the same always you learn and you grow and you develop and you expand and and that's kind of how I look at it as well like there are certain things that I never used to value before when it came to my health like now for example food I'm not I'm I don't play with my food I make sure that I eat good food because I know that Mm -hmm. it it helps me it feel it makes me feel good it nourishes my body so there are things that weren't important to me before whereas now they are and maybe later on in my life I'll probably encounter things that do change because my priorities are different and and in order to to make me a better me 100% and I think millennials and Gen Z we've worked so hard because we're juggling so many different things but yeah I also think just have fun with it so much of the time we take it so seriously like you know sometimes self-care may be learning how to do a handstand you know like learning how to like you know racing your siblings in the park laughing or doing something that means you have to like learn how to like preparing to climb a hill whatever it may be I think also having fun with it because sometimes we have this laser being where we take it so seriously that we kind of kill all the fun and then we don't want to do it and then we're like oh maybe I should do that and make ourselves feel guilty about it I think the best thing is to find things that you enjoy and kind of stick to those so I just wanted to finish on a beautiful note with a DM that I received from the lovely Rena Rai, a fashion blogger that you should be following, by the way. So she sent me a DM and said, I stopped seeing self-care as aesthetic bubble baths and complicated yoga poses years ago, but only recently I started seeing it as essential time for myself. The same way that you show up for others, you have to show up for yourself. It's an investment. For me, it's working out so my body feels healthy and strong. It's having a tidy flat because I deserve to live in a peaceful sanctuary. It's having an extensive skincare wardrobe so that I can take a moment to assess what I need that day. And on that note, I hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, please don't hesitate to leave a review or a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. Take care and stay safe. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.